we uh, we are in session two of uh, of the man up course, and uh, let me start us off with the word of prayer. And uh, two things: there is a very large bulldog whom I love very much. His name's Chaos, and he lives right over there. So he's going to be barking the whole time. So we'll just kind of pretend like he's just beautiful background music, okay? We're going to man up. His name's Chaos. He's a big boy, too. And he does not like people back here at night. He thinks they're over there. So, you know, he's, he's being a little territorial right now. But uh, we'll just move together with uh, Chaos. But let me, let me just open us in a word of prayer. You should have a copy of the notes. And um, we just want to start tonight with, with what God has for us as men. So, uh, so let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us tonight. Thank you for uh, the grace that you've given us in Christ. And Lord, I do pray again tonight like I did a month ago. May each one of these men um, walk away tonight more aware of you, your love for them in Christ, your promise to equip them to be the leaders you've called them to be, particularly in this area of spiritual leadership, discipleship, of their wives, if they're married. If they're not married, the, the wife you will give them one day. Of their children, if they have children. If they don't have children, the children you will give them one day. And that just really moves into the church for the single men. Just one another. Lord, we, we're standing up before you. We're saying, here we are. Equip us. Fill us with your spirit. Uh, instruct us. Lord, for the sake of your church, that not only Palm Vista, but Lord, the church would be vibrant and strong as you designed it to be. Led by men that are humble, meek, which is strength under control, as you called us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, if you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew 22. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, if you maybe didn't bring it tonight, we've got a box of Bibles right over here. So uh, if you need a Bible, just go ahead and get up and get, grab one. And um, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 22 in the New Testament. Uh, if you've got this Bible here, the paperback Bible, it's page 537. And we're going to take a look here at something that I believe is the foundation for our call. Last month, we talked about male headship in the home. And we said that male headship in the home is something that we all, married or unmarried, must embrace. And if we're not married, we must train for and anticipate. If we are married, we must grow in it. So how do we practice headship in the home? How do we lead the way in our relationship with God? What we're talking about here, guys, is discipleship. So how do we disciple our wives, our children, one another? So I believe we have to start with the motive, briefly. It's the same thing we've been preaching on Sunday morning. Love one another. So I'm just going to read it to you, Matthew 22. They basically asked Jesus, sum it up for us, Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? In verse 36, Matthew 22, 36, Jesus says this. I'm, I, sorry, I'm going to skip down to um, verse 37. And he, Jesus, said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So everything that God has revealed depends on us loving God and loving one another. Actually here, uh, I believe it says, love your neighbor as yourself. 
And definitely our neighbor begins with our wife. Our neighbor moves to our children, and it certainly includes one another. So if, if what we're talking about is loving one another, I believe that discipling one another is one of the greatest ways we can love one another. And let's just quickly go to Matthew 28. Just go a couple of chapters over. Matthew 28. And when Jesus gave this command, it was the last thing he said on earth. In Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16, he's with the, he's with the uh, 11 disciples. It's 40 days after he has risen from the dead. He's been with them for 40 days. It's the last thing he's going to say to these guys. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now look at this, verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them, teaching them, teaching them. So men, we're to teach. We're all teachers. We're all teachers. We're to teach what? Everything that Christ has commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So there's the promise. The the command is to teach. We're all to do this. We're to make disciples by teaching what Christ has commanded. And his promise is that he's with with us until the end of the age. That means he's going to equip each one of us, each one of you, to teach in the sphere that he's given you. I don't know if I fully uh, agree with this, but we're all pastors. I've heard someone say that recently. The question is, how big's our flock? You know, I mean, we we should pastor ourselves in a sense of bringing ourselves to the Lord. If you're married, you are definitely caring for your wife in a sense, pastoring your wife. If you have children, your flock's just growing a little bit more. And really, we should all aspire to care for everyone. We should disciple one another. That's not just the purview. That's not just the responsibility of the pastors or home group leaders. And some will be called to be pastors and home group leaders or ministry team leaders. And it's great to aspire to that. But we've all got a sphere that we should be teaching, starting with ourselves to the Lord. So now, let's drop into the specific command in Scripture to love, disciple our wives and children. So let's drop into that sphere. So so hopefully, prayerfully, a month ago we received the conviction, we see again the conviction of doing it. Now what I'd like to do is, is really drop into how are we going to do it? How's the Lord calling us to do it? And something that I want to make clear on the outset, what I'm hoping to do is give you biblical principle. Principle is a command for all of us. We must do this, period. There's no discussion. This is what God's called us to do. Later, we're going to drop into practice. So if I could illustrate it here, principle, God's word, no argument. Watch this, practice. See what I did there? Practice. There are going to be many practices that fulfill the principle. Practice is not mandated by Scripture. Principle is. Why am I making a big deal about this? Because I'm going to share with you some practice that I've done over the 26 years I've been married, and 25 of them I've been a father. Corey, by the way, is going to be uh, our guest. He's going to share some of the practice. I believe as pastors, we should be front and center. Come on, come on up, Cal. 
place where you... Yes. <laughs> Thanks for coming, buddy. AJ. We, I believe as pastors, we should prove to be an example. Um, do we have any more notes? Yeah. Do we got any more notes? Great. Uh, we should prove to be examples as pastors. So we're going to bring our lives before you. In fact, 1 Peter 5 says, don't lord it over people. Oh, this is good. This is good. All right? hadn't planned on saying this, but I'm going to say it. I believe the Holy Spirit brought this to my remembrance. 1 Peter 5, Peter's talking to pastors, and he's saying, pastors, don't, lo- don't lord it over people, but prove to be an example. So what's lording it over people? Lording it over people is taking principle, excuse me, taking practice, which is not mandated by Scripture, There are wise things we do. There are things we can commend to you. But taking practice and elevating it to the place of principle. Once you do that, I believe that's lording it over people. And and, and saying, you know, David, you have to do... In order to to wash your wife with the word, you've got to have a two-hour devotional with her every night. Okay? Now, that may be wise practice for David at some point. That may be what I do. But I can't say the Bible commands you to do that. That's lording it over David. You see where I'm going with this? But prove to be examples. So therefore, I do think that there is a, 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 a biblical mandate for Corey and I to stand up before you and say, here's our lives. Ask all you want. But don't slavishly do what I do because for your family, it may not be the best thing. Here's the principle. May God anoint you, may God anoint you to take that principle and then apply it. And may you be humble to ask home group leaders, other friends, and even us, hey, you know, and then let's have a counseling session if it's not working, and let's talk about it. Do you see the difference, guys? Okay. So let's drop into principle. And in your notes there, there's three main points. Living out the gospel in our personal lives, because I don't think we can give what we don't have. Point two, living out the gospel in our marriages because I do believe marriage is the primary place that God calls us to model this. If you're not married, I believe God's, I believe most of you will be. So you're preparing for it. And then living out the gospel in our parenting. And again, if you're not a parent yet, again, some of you may never be, but you're going to maybe support others that are. But, but we should be preparing for that. Okay. So, so the principles here, the specifics of dropping into this command in Scripture to love and disciple our wives and children and one another... We're going to start with Ephesians 4. All right, so we're going to read a lengthy portion of Scripture here. Ephesians 4, 17 through 521. Ephesians 4, 17 through 521. If you need a Bible, we got a box of them right over there. Ephesians 4, 17 through 521. Let me just set this up for you. In the book of Ephesians, really you have three chapters that are devoted to doctrine. Three chapters that are devoted to the gospel. And then beginning in chapter 4, God is motivated and and, and inspired the Holy Word of God, Paul, to write, how do we begin to walk out this gospel truth? So all we're doing is walking out. That's why I choose living out here, walking out the gospel truth. But note now, in verse 17... Paul begins to drop into our specific, our lives. In fact, in in the ESV paperback here, it says new life, the new life. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of your minds. 
They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. For they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. This is the gospel, as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self. So he's talking to Christians who are acting in ways they shouldn't act. This encourages me. He's basically saying, be who you are, because you're in Christ. Okay, to put on your old, to, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Stop being who you're no longer, you no longer are, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self. So be who you are, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak in truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, un tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And let me pause before I go on to chapter 5, verse 1. You want to know what God's will is? Here's God's will. Amen. Yeah. You, you want to know what God's calling you to do? That's What I'm reading here is principle. I mean, I, I, you don't need, how do I apply that? Well, you just can't be bitter. You know, you, you can't, you know, it, it's clear. These are clear things. This, we're in principle right here, okay? This is God's will for you. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus redeemed you to walk this way. Are we there yet? No. Because he's writing to Christians. Okay? But this is God's will. And the Holy Spirit will enable you to do this. Let's pick it up again. Verse Chapter 5, verse 1. More of God's will here to us individually. Living out the gospel in our personal lives. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Well, this one hits home, doesn't it? This next verse, verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetous Uh, must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Okay, we're getting to the put-ons now. Okay, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, and I... An idolater, boy, that's that brings the Old Testament in. That brings the Ten Commandments in, doesn't it? Covet, coveting and idolatry, right there. There's some biblical discernment. Has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Woo, that gets my attention. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. See, he's saying, look, that's for the sons of disobedience. But if you're in Christ, you're no longer a son of disobedience. You're you're a son of God in Christ. Act like it. That's what he's saying here. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Be who you are. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them, for it is shameful 
even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Oh boy, that speaks to us, doesn't it, brothers? But when everything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, go sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Thank you for being here tonight. You're making great use of the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He's just given them the will of the Lord. And do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Just like being drunk with wine is under wine's control, don't do that anymore. Be under the Spirit's control, because you're men of the Spirit. You're pneumatakos. I mispronounced that, but it's the Greek word for spiritual ones. You've got the Spirit of God in you. No longer be controlled by the wine and drunkenness of the world. Be controlled by the Spirit, because you're men of the Spirit. You're sons of the Most High God in Christ. It's calling them to something better. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Corey's going to talk about this in two weeks. We're to teach one another. We're to have God's word in one another's mouth. We should be doing what I'm doing tonight. Just read the word together. It's good, man. The public reading of scripture. And we're under it. Amen. He's amen in it right there. As, uh, for the Okay, where are we? Giving thanks, verse 20, 20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for God. Simple point here. Lots of scripture, one point. Point number one. Let us be who we are in Christ. These are the classic put-offs, put-ons. At the, at, during the Q&A time, during the discussion time, I'm going to be asking Corey a couple of questions about his practice of the, of, of the spiritual disciplines of reading God's word. This tells us who we are. May we be in it. Point two. Let us now live out the gospel in our marriages. Okay. Point one. To live them out in our marriages, we must live them out personally. Leading ourselves to the Lord. Receiving the Spirit of God. But, oh men, we're called to more than that. We're called to headship in the family. We're called to headship in the family. A copy of notes. for uh, Got an extra copy of the notes. Okay, so point number two. Living out the gospel in our marriages. So let's click down. Well, we're right there. Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. This is the key area we're going to focus on tonight. What does it mean to... Now, that's principle. Wash your wife with the water of the word. It's going to look differently for us. You got the principle? Okay, be thinking what God is calling you to do as a husband. Obviously, that begs the question, are you washing yourself with the water of the word? Right? Okay. That you might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Verse 22, 7. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. Men, this is what we're called to do for our wives. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Boy, that's, isn't that godly wisdom? We all love ourselves, don't we? <laughs> we don't have to work at that one. We're good at loving ourselves. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. We're also good at eating. 
Just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. Last week we talked about this, this or last month, quoting here of Genesis 2. And hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And here's the mystery. It's profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, reading from your notes here. Wives often want a little empathy before being given the biblical solution. Just the fact that you would ask about her day would goes should be goes instead of would goes goes a long way toward communicating empathy. So here's the point that I simply want to make in this second uh, section here is that washing our wives with the water of the word has to start first by us being washed by the water of the word, but secondly, by us finding out where are they. So drawing your wife out. Okay, we love her and then we know her. Now we know, most of us probably, that this word know can can mean the, the physical in, intimacy that we have, and certainly that is appropriate, that is beautiful, but it should be preceded by know her, understand her. If you want to jot down a scripture here, 1 Peter 3, 7. We talked about it a month ago. 1 Peter 3, 7. Live with your wife in an understanding manner. Okay, as the weaker vessel, as a fellow heir of Christ. So that your prayers not be hindered. So, so men, I guess what I'm advocating here is, if nothing else, washing my wife with the water of the word begins by knowing her. Begins by understanding her begins by keeping a book on her in a good sense, writing down thoughts about her, understanding what she's thinking, understanding what her fears are, what her dreams are, how her day has been. Um, again, now I'm, I'm dropping into practice, okay? I'm dropping into practice. You hear me clearly say that? I am dropping into practice. Notes on the table. I think there's a copy of the notes on the table. Here's, here's a practice. Pino practice. Three times a week, Desi and I walk. We walk in this neighborhood right here. Why? Because I have a hard time focusing. I have a hard time being still. Restaurants aren't good for me. Sitting on the couch, talking to each other late at night are good to me because I fall asleep. Okay? But during those walks, and usually about 35 or 40 minute walks, A, we get some exercise, but B, what am I doing? Honey, what's on your heart? And I can just tell you in this neighborhood, I can just, I've got trees, people's houses, landmarks where what's on her heart is that she's offended at me and where we've had some good little conflicts. And then I've got other trees and, and parks and, and driveways where then I say, okay, honey, you know, I own it where I can own it. And then I start, I've got, I've got my little, uh, I got this deal and I got the Bible on it. So I said, all right, let's go to this scripture. Or let's go to that scripture. And so it's a Pino practice. You don't have to do this, but but understanding where she's coming from, what her needs are, what she's struggling with, and then knowing scripture enough that I can I can start drawing her out, saying, okay, baby, let's talk about this. How does this relate to you? So, question for you. This is a good question for you. Do you make time to listen to your wife? Do you make time to listen to, to your wife? Again, I, I'm dabbling here between practice and, and principle. Thank you. I'm dabbling here between practice and principle. But, but 
if you're going to apply 1 Peter 3, 7, and if you're going to apply Ephesians 5, 22 to 30, whatever it is, 33, uh, are you listening? <clears throat> and I mean listening. And I mean listening without necessarily bringing the solution. You know, cutting her off in mid-sentence and saying, oh, well, honey, uh, you know, you're just not trusting God there. Uh, hey, let's just read, you know, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat or, you know, wear or whatever, but, you know, trust the Lord. Honey, you just got to trust God. Or even the Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Corey preached a couple of weeks ago, baby. Don't be anxious, but pray. All you need to do is pray. Just keep walking. You know, the smoke's coming out of her ears. Because <laughs> I never listened to her. I never empathized with her. I never realized, you know what? There are times that I'm anxious. Okay, so consider this. Do you make time to listen? Then, do you make time to bring the word? Okay, to bring the word in a semi-structured way. Now, be careful here, because my semi-structured way is walking around my neighborhood. All right, but and, and typically, again, penal practice, not principle, is I'm up early. I'm reading the Bible. I gave you guys a reading plan. I can send it to you electronically. It's the one I use. You don't have to use it, but just are you reading the Word so that I'm in the Word, so that as I'm hearing my wife, I, I've got biblical glasses on, and there's a there's some sort of a biblical discernment coming so that I can be humble and listen. I can bring it through the biblical grid, and oftentimes the way I disciple my wife and I wash her with the Word is just with God, what, what God is giving me in my quiet time. Quiet time, for those of you who haven't heard that term, is just a time where we're spending before the Lord, either before people are up or maybe late at night or where you're just alone and you're praying. So it begs the question, are you listening? Are you spending time with the Lord? And are you providing some sort of structured place to bring the Word to her? Now, let's move to children briefly. Uh, at, when you have kids, you're probably going to have to have a little more structure probably going to have to have a little more structure, especially if you have little ones. Okay, uh, I've got some resources here, and they should be in your notes, of things that I would recommend. Let me just say, I have not read this first one, but I do know Nancy Guthrie is someone that is highly recommended on the Gospel Coalition, uh, and uh, what, what she's done is she's done, it's a one-year dinner table devotions. Again, it's in your notes. So, a lot of people just around the dinner table. And I will tell you that we the dinner table for us was big. Actually, for me, it was the breakfast table. Because as a pastor, I was gone a lot at dinner. But breakfast was ironclad. And honestly, I did, I did not use this. I did use this. Actually, I used this in one other thing, which is at the office I don't have. A guy named Sinclair Ferguson, who's a tremendous theologian, has this wonderful book. It's called The Big Book of Question and Answers About Jesus. All right? And so we, we would just go through here. There's little activities, and you can do it. Guys, the important thing is, is that you're leading. Now, again, practice, 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 practice. If you can't, obviously your wife can, but there is something about dad leading. Uh, I believe it's biblical. You can't do it all the time. I'm not putting guilt on anybody here. Remember, we're in practice. Uh, we use the Westminster Catechism for Children. If you're not familiar with that, I'm sorry, I got the books at the office. They're thin little books. A catechism is just a question and answer. You catechize someone by asking a question. You know, what's the chief end of man? Joseph, and then Joseph would say, you know, it's just, okay, so, and so he answers the question. He does not do that today. 
All right, Stephanie used to say that. <laughs> Joe would say the chief editor. <laughs> but but it, it's just now you may think, well, he's a little guy and he doesn't know what he's saying. True. But if you're explaining and there are scriptures and you're praying and I'm trusting God, and hear me carefully. All of these things are resources, but who do we trust in this? God. Because if God doesn't regenerate my son's heart or your son or daughter's heart, they're going to give you the right answer, and at a certain age, when they really want to, they're going to say, bye-bye. Bye-bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, God. Because they weren't ever really regenerate. But we're called to teach in faith. They're part of the covenant community that God will give them that. So I'm not beating him over the head with it and yelling at him. I am giving it to them gently, and I'm praying like crazy. The primary thing is faith. Look, the primary thing isn't how good you are or what resources you use. It is God. It's dad stepped up. Dad manned up. And and your son or daughter will remember that for the rest of their lives. If it's once a week, whatever it is. Uh, Another one that we did use as they got older, uh, again, I think this is a great resource, uh, Christian beliefs, 20 basics every Christian should know. It's, it's sort of a paring down of Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, and it just has wonderful, you know, what is election? And so he kind of explains it in, in pithy. I mean, you know, this is like one or two, this is a one or two uh, seating read in the, in the throne room, you know? And, uh, and, it's got, uh, and it's got some questions and some, and some, some scriptures, and it just walks at what is creation? What is the Trinity? What is God like? Uh, what is the Bible? And so it's just great for kids, okay? And you'd be surprised. Uh, now, two things I did use are, uh, as we went through Genesis, and, and, you know, Joe and I would just crack open this book. It's called, it's, it's a commentary for children. It's written by Nancy Gans, Herein is Love, uh, Genesis and Exodus. And by the way, this is really pretty good stuff, but it's for children, okay? So it's a lady writing, it's for children. And so just kind of leading uh your, your kids through it's just a nice little study alright I have used this I have not used this next resource I think Corey have you used this with your kids alright I have not used this one this is by written by a pastor in Sovereign Grace by Marty Mikowski it's called uh, Long Story Short 10 Minute Devotions to Draw Your Family to God it, is this part of the curriculum it corresponds to our curriculum okay so this corresponds with the curriculum in our children's ministry they learn there's lessons to follow up that lessons to follow up so again Resources. You have them all there. I'm going to have these up here afterwards. You can look at them. But let me tell you the primary resource, men. You ready for it? The Holy Bible. These are men and women that have the gift of teaching. I believe that women are not to teach uh, men, but I believe that ladies can be very effective in helping us teach our children. There are resources that we can use that are wonderful resources. All right? But, but the Bible. Right here. The Holy Bible. Okay? All right, we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, later, but uh, let's move into Ephesians six one to four, and then and then we're going to transition uh, into some some Q and A time. Well, let me just stop for a second. Again, don't know if you have questions. Well, let's just focus on the wife. I just want to make myself available here. Is, is there, would there be a question right now? I think it would be very appropriate of anybody. Here's the, here's the ground, ground rule of questions. In your question, you may never uh, put your wife in a bad light. We're not going to allow that one. Okay? So it's about you and your leadership. Okay? 
Same with your children. Not that you would do that intentionally, but you know, sometimes it sort of happens. So there may be some questions that you need to be careful how you phrase them. If there are questions like that, I'd be happy or Corey or any of the home group leaders to take that personally, privately. But is there a question about leading your wife that you might have that we can all benefit from? Just pause for a moment. And even if you're not married, if you have a question, because I mean, I, I thank you for single men and the teens for being here. You're anticipating greatest call in your life there is to lead your wife because it reflects Christ's love for the church. What greater call can there be for a man? If we're not successful there, men, we're not successful, period. Because the gospel is not being preached properly. And that's clear from Ephesians 5. So any questions about leading your wife? Best practices? Feel free to, you know, even something you want to just pipe in. Yeah, Marcos. Um, obviously you said you were taking uh, three-time walking, three times a week, just talking, conversation, getting in between her ears and understanding her. But as far as official time sitting down, like a devotion, like with a resource or yeah. whatever the case, or even just yeah. reading the Bible, once a week, twice a sure. week, once a month, what do you... What okay, so Mark was saying, you, you walk, I'm going to repeat it for the tape, uh, you, you walk three times a week, Al, but how about an official time where you sit down and do a Bible study with your wife? Uh, I will confess to you, those have been very rare for us. What we do is we will do a book study, and I will ask her what she's reading in the Bible. So we both are early risers, I as he come downstairs... Have I mentioned, by the way, when it's practice time, it's practice. This is not mandated. I'm just giving you best practice, so thank you for the question, Marcos. Principle, remember. Okay, not practice. All right. Uh, we read separately, and I'm asking her what she's reading, and I'm asking her what's the Lord speaking to her. I will, I will. as I've gone through books, I've got the scriptures out, uh, but, you know, this is probably a weakness in me. And I, I would say I haven't done a specific Bible study through scripture. And I'm not so sure that's a good practice. I would say having to look back on it and actually moving forward, I may initiate a study in Scripture. I'm kind of a, and it's probably a cover for laziness, I'm come up kind of a, one of these guys that's taught my kids always through just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm very, uh, <laughs> whatever, seize the moment, thank you. That's a nice way of saying it. Impulsive, uh, <laughs> don't plan things through like I should, yeah, okay. Okay. Um, but I do think that we stop and then we'll, we'll open Scripture and we'll talk about Scripture for an hour. You know, but a regimented Bible study I haven't done and I, and I think that would be a good thing to do. But I just want a full disclosure, I have not done that. Anybody here done that with their wife? And is there a resource that you would recommend for that? Cal? Off and on, Debbie and I have. Um, more off than on. Okay. Um, but you know, we just find the kiss method to be best. I, okay. I don't mean uh, kissing, but the keep it simple, stupid method. Okay. Really early in our marriage, we we uh, we thought we would have daily devotions together, and so we got out Matthew Henry's commentary, and we were going to read through a chapter of Matthew Henry's commentary each time. We managed to keep up with that for two whole days <laughs> and decided that that was just way too much. And then we didn't do anything for a long time. But you know, it worked better for us than anything the various times that we've done it. was just you know, get together, read a chapter of the Bible, talk about it a little bit maybe, and pray. Share with each other what was on our hearts to pray about. Good. 
and, and I would complicated. Yeah, and I would say that that has been more the tenor of what I've done with Des, uh, Eric, and then uh, Kevin. I was just going to share. We had a similar experience. We we tried to go through uh, Concise Theology by J.I. Packer, and it, it lasted a little longer, maybe about a week or two, before Liz said, "This isn't giving me life. <laughs> Please stop." So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> so we stopped, and uh, I think what we do is more along the lines of what you do. What, what are you reading? Where are you at? Did you hear him? Uh, he tried to do Concise Theology with J.I. Packer, which is a pretty thick book uh, on theology. J.I. Packer is a theologian we would highly respect. It's a great resource. Liz said, this is not giving me life. <laughs> and then they do what Cal described, you know, just scripture as, you know, as, and then he's asking Liz, what are you reading? You know, so we are aware of it. We've done at different times different theme books. I know we've gone through one on, on anger and one on uh, just principles for raising children. And what, what actually worked out well is we'd do a chapter a week and each of us would read it at some point during the week. And then on a set designated evening, we'd talk about what we got out of it. That's a book. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, Des and I are reading a book called Caught in the Middle, which is a book about midlife by a guy named uh, Paul Tripp. And uh, if you ever see us walking around here, we, we'll read the book while we're walking. I mean, we've walked to so many times, you know. We, so you'll see us, you know, we're reading the book, stop, we're talking. So, okay, let's go to point three. Any more questions, comments, best practices? Are you doing the peace out? Okay. All right, man. How do you keep from walking into something? How do you keep from walking into something? Very difficult. Don't try this at home. It takes a professional. <laughs> what does get us are the drive, are those little... When the driveway comes and you kind of walk in, you kind of go like that. And then I fear dogs, so you know, once in a while, a dog comes out and I freak out. Okay, Ephesians six one to four point three. Okay, full disclosure, since it's man up, and I think I think last time I called you, what did I call them? A bunch of women or something that they wore dresses or skirts or something like that. Yeah. So man up. I fear dogs. I, you know, I just tell you, I fear dogs. We're walking. By the way, if you see me walking, I walk with a golf club. People think it's because I'm in a golfing community. No, it's because I fear dogs. True story. I'm walking around the corner over here. There's this dog. It's not that big. It's not that big. It starts barking really strongly. No, it's probably about this big. I take three steps back, and I'm about to jump on top of a car, leaving my wife closer to the dog than me. Desi just turns around and looks at me. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Oh, nothing. <laughs> Let's go this way. So, there you go. Full disclosure, Alpino fears dogs. Point three. Ephesians 6, 1-4, living out the gospel in our parenting. Great passage. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So reading from the notes, let us bring up or train our children in the discipline. I believe the Greek word there is paideia. Uh, I think the Hebrew equivalent which would, you find this in Proverbs a lot, is musar. And the idea of this word discipline and instruction, really it's not so much a punitive 
I'm going to spank you or whatever type of discipline you would practice. But it is, it's, it's training, it's instructing, it's, it's, it's teaching, it's discipleship 101. It's, it's, it's what Jesus said to the disciples, you know, disciple folks, make disciples with the gospel, teaching them. So this idea of teaching, 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 don't just see it, wash your wa- wife with the word, teach your children uh, well, instruct your children. Um, so, so, you know, all of these resources are simply people <clears throat> who have the gift of teaching, whether to children or whether to adults, who can help us to teach. But the main thing we're teaching them, it, it, the thing we're teaching them is what Christ commanded. And, and as we know, all the law and the prophets uh, are summarized really in Christ. Not really, they are. And, and so we're teaching God's will, God's word. And, and we're doing it in faith. We're doing it in such a manner that I'm not, I'm, I'm not trusting in my ability to teach. I'm not trusting in a resource. I'm not trusting in a method. I'm trusting in God who commanded me to do this. And that means God, by His Spirit, will take what I'm teaching and will make it real. And will we'll make it alive. And will make the, the hearts of our children come alive. And, and again, just talking about best practices. Uh, again, I'm, I'm dropping down into practice here. Although I think you can make an argument the scripture would, would mandate this. Well, definitely it would. To ask forgiveness when you sin. How many times have I sinned against my children? Um, I mean, that table right over there. I, I can tell you, I mean, Vanessa sat there. Melinda sat there. Stephanie here, Joey here, Desi here, and I sat there. And how many times would we sit together, and, and, and with, particularly with one of my children, and we would get into it, man. Because one of my children is a deep thinker and, and they would challenge dad on everything. And they, you know, and dad would just go after that child, sadly. And I'm just conf- I'm just telling you guys, talk about not doing it perfectly. Talk about violating love. Talk about not being patient or kind. That was me. And oftentimes my wife would have to, you know, just be this tense silence and Des would go, no, no, Al, she would never dishonor me. And actually, I gave her the permission to do this. Al, do you think that you were a little harsh there? And just one of the things, just, I, I would, yeah. And quickly, I'd realize I was. And I'd say, please forgive me to whomever I was harsh to. And, and, I, and I, would, I, would, I would draw them out. What do you hear? And, and so, again, we're in practice area. But with the children, I would say, okay, let's go out on a, let's go out on, Mondays would be my day off. Let's go out on a date with the children, we had four kids, so basically each week I would take one of the kids out, and and you know, oftentimes the question is, hey, what's dad doing that's good, that's blessing you? What's dad doing that's not good, or what is dad failing to do that you would like for him to do? And just giving them the opportunity to share with me, and particularly one child, it's like when you ask this child, what was it like to grow up in the Pino household? They would say it was wonderful. I'm so grateful to my father, and I'm thinking. Oh Lord, thank you for like selective memory of that child. Because yeah, because when I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and there's just a measure. There's a sense at times even guilt and regret, although those neither of those are biblical nor godly. But I'm just I'm grateful that God is merciful. So I, I don't come to you as a perfect example. I come to you as a flawed example. But I think the thing that the Lord did give us, and the thing that that was there somewhat was just. A, a sense of consistency. We were consistent. And then a sense of, of trying to humble myself to ask for forgiveness when I sinned against them. And asking them. And I don't think you're abdicating your position of headship by asking those things. I don't think that at all. Uh, so, 
So while my example was flawed and my example was uh, was imperfect, I want Corey to come up because his example was perfect and not flawed. <laughs> How's that, Corey, for an introduction? Um, yeah, I'd like to bring Corey up here and. Uh... Hey, Cal. I'm so sorry about this. Can I ask you to sit back there so that Corey can sit here? Just because, I, I mean, he's going to feel uncomfortable just standing the whole time. Yeah. But, uh, Should I sit down here at the best? Yeah, I'd say so. And just okay. if you just talk with a loud voice, that way, you know. Okay. Um, guys, Corey and I are just going to have a little dialogue here, and you guys get to listen in. But And I know it's a little awkward, and if it becomes really awkward, Corey, you just stand up and start teaching. But... Uh, Okay. Yeah. Let me just ask you the first question, Corey. Um, can you describe for us what your time alone with God in Bible reading, prayer, singing, worship to God, members, whatever, can you describe to us what it looks like? And we've built the bridge. This is practice, men. Okay? This is practice. So we're not lording it over you. But I do think it's fair game for Corey to share about that, and then I'll share about mine. And uh, we'll just go from there. So, sure. Yeah, guys, I heard it once said, I don't know who said it, but it went along the lines of this, that routine can make an average man look like a genius. <laughs> I'm no genius. I'm simply an average guy. But routine has served me, particularly in these areas. So I'm going to share some of my routine. Faithfulness, guys. Consistency. That's what's worked. You can do it many different ways, as Al said. So I'll share a little bit what my routine is uh, when it comes to devotional time with the Lord. Um, I do mine in the morning, typically before the children are up. Um, once they're up, it's a little more difficult. So that means getting up early and having some time without distraction with the Lord. Typically about 45 minutes, maybe a little more. Um, I'll start off with prayer. For me, it's always prayer for my wife comes first, and then my children. And I just made it a, once again, my practice is to pray daily for my wife and for my children. And probably about six years ago, I thought, you know what? Why don't I just like record these prayers? Like I just write them down electronically. So I just have a log of prayers for my wife and for each of my children. That's I'm doing it for the Lord, I'm doing it because I love them, but I just thought, what a gift that would be someday to give them 15 years worth of prayers in a journal form when they leave the home or when they get married. So it's been fun to look back at those prayers and see how God's answered those prayers over the years as well. So I'll start off with prayer for my family, then I'll move to prayer for the church, for the leadership team, and things that are on my heart. I'll break open the Word of God and... Simply what I'm trying to do is get the full breadth of the Word of God in me. And what I mean is I'm reading to cover ground, all right? So, this sounds like a lot. It's not really. Okay, I'll explain it, all right, guys? But I've chosen a reading plan where I'm in ten different parts of the Bible, okay? In a given one time. I'm not reading ten chapters a day, guys. Um, for me, I, I can't meaningfully do that to get much out of it. I find myself just racing through it to get it done. So what I've chosen is to do basically using four chapters on a given morning, maybe four or five. And over the course of two days, I've covered all ten parts of the Bible. 
So over one year, I've covered the entire Bible, okay? But I'm constantly reading in different parts. That just serves me better. You've probably tried it before, but we don't have to get bogged down. We can start from the beginning and work our way through. So I love just being in different parts of the Bible at the same time. Chapter in the Pentateuch, a chapter in the wisdom literature and Proverbs, a chapter in the Prophets, a chapter in the Gospels, and Acts, and the Epistles. That just a little variety, a little spice. It helps me. It also helps me make connections as well with different parts of Scripture. So I'm working, we're going to do a Bible plan, okay? Um, doesn't take that long, maybe 15, 20 minutes of reading maximum. Um, I love to highlight. I'm a visual guy, so I have my marker. Now I have my iPad, and I, I'm highlighting. So that stands out to me. And if it does, I'll often stop right there. Um, for example, today I was in the book of Matthew. I always review the previous chapter that I had read in Matthew, so I went through Matthew 26. Just the word of Christ, the Garden of Gethsemane. Watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. Now, Lord, I, I just want to stop right here and pray, you know? Knowing my temptations for the day, and also other friends as well, the temptations they were going through. Just stop and pray. Five minutes. Moved on to Matthew 27, my chapter for that day. And just what caught my attention was the words on the cross when Christ said, God, why have you forsaken me? God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And just, and just stop there, just to meditate upon that verse, just for a few minutes. Then moved on to my next reading, Acts 8. So for this morning, I got two chapters done. I'm going for four. Had an early morning meeting, got two chapters done, 25 minutes. Um, typically, it's prayer and the Word of God. And what that just emphasizes, too, is it's not the only way, but why I read through the Scripture is I want to cover all 66 books of the Bible. We have 66 inspired books of the Bible. Now, it's good to read for depth as well, and we go for depth in our sermon series, so it's great to follow along, maybe like the book of Hebrews, and to go deep. If all I do is study deep, I may only get through one or two books in a year. So I love to go deep with what we're studying Okay, in home groups on Sundays, but I'm also covering for breath, so I get the full Word of God in me. So I'm in the books like Job and Lamentations, books that I may not naturally gravitate towards, but are the inspired Word of God for us today. So that's what I'm thinking. Prayer, survey, Word of God. Um, what else you mentioned? Um, that'd be the core of it. Uh, scripture yeah. memory. Um, yeah, I, I'm not doing too well right now with that. I do have a plan. I go through what's called uh, Desiring God. Desiring God has what we call fighter verses. I have it on my iPad and iPhone. So I'm looking at that weekly and attempting to memorize the verse of the week as well. Um, spend a little time there. That's not always in the mornings. That could be during the day. I'm just taking a peek at the memory verse just to renew my mind. So that's basically what my time looks like. Mostly it's in the morning, bro. Yeah, I, I would say mine is very similar. I do the I don't know if you do the same one, the ESV uh, Bible reading plan. I think it's the Robert uh, no, Shane. Under the Horners, the, the Horners. Yeah, okay. Like, yeah. uh, I do a similar thing today. I think I read uh, Psalm 84, and I think I jumped down and read. No, yesterday I read Psalm 84 and, and Romans 16. You know what? Today I think I only read the Psalm. I think it was Psalm 85. Uh, so I didn't get to four, I just got to one. I do a similar thing of, I have, I, I do a, an electronic journal, it's called Mac Journal, it's just a, a program I bought, I write prayers as well, um, and then uh, I have, I just, uh, 
every day of the week I try to emphasize one thing. So Mondays it's family, Tuesdays it's planning my week. I do something called a weekly review on Tuesday. So let's try to bring the week, the past week, and look at the future week and the next couple of weeks and pray about that. Wednesday I pray for the, the leadership of uh, the church. Thursday for Sovereign Grace Ministries. Uh, Friday I, I'm praying for the sermon and the Sunday service. Saturday for evangelism and, and my neighbors. And then Sunday is sort of a catch-all. I pray for more things than that, but on those days, I sort of have specific prayers that I've written in my journal that I could, I could I'm praying, and this is a, this broad category, so Mondays, Desi and I are walking, a lot of our prayers are for our family, our extended family, children, grandchildren, you know, stuff like that. Guys, you, you remember this, practice, right? These are just things we do. You don't have to do this, any of this. you got to read the Word and pray and see God, but God will show you how to do that, okay? Okay. Questions about that? Was there uh, at any point where you reported where I'm lazy and then on top of that I'm not consistent? So it's a bad combination. What, uh, (laughs) was there ever a time where you encountered any one of those or both of them together? And and what what did you do to get to it? Was it just prayer? Was it just, or just setting an alarm clock? what, what practical things can you do to get you over those hurdles if indeed you encounter those that you give me? What, what practical things can you do to overcome laziness and inconsistency? Yeah, good question, but I'm, I'm praying the night before when I go to bed. <laughs> God, give me <laughs> the ability to wake up in the morning and uh, to build a focus. I think early on, when I'm just trying to create these patterns, um, I remember, you know, I'd, I'd week, I had a good friend of mine, weekly accountability. I said, this is the question, why don't you ask me? You know, did you get up this morning? You know, I actually, for a while, had him call me. We'd call one another, you know, in the morning to see if we were up. So I just needed that. Today, I don't think I need that as much. It's a pattern that's set. But early on, I just want to listen to others in helping me, asking me the questions, and at times, even calling me early on, years ago. So... I wanted to add one more thing that I just recall that I do. Uh, because I work with the worship leader, uh, there he is, uh, he'll, he'll send me the songs that we're going to do that next Sunday. So I, I have I have an iPhone, and it's got the, you know, the I, whatever thing, you know, where you can do that. I just blew it, didn't I? So I will, I will download the songs we're going to worship that next Sunday, and I'll listen to them, and I will sing with them in the mornings which is hideous, but no one can hear me because I'm all by myself in there. Nothing worse than someone singing with headphones on, right? Because they can't hear how they're sounding. But, but my soul is moving to the Lord. So, uh, you know, you could take the songs we sang the previous Sunday and load them on. And, and that's just a little touch point for me to, re, to refresh. Because usually the songs are going to be talking about a bit of the theme of the sermon. So it's refreshing my heart. This last week, if you were paying attention to the songs, uh, there, there was just a lot there about you know the resurrection two weeks ago about the resurrection alive this week alive that song alive and the power of the resurrection uh, new life yeah that was just a theme for me so anyways okay let's move on next question Corey describe what you do to fulfill Ephesians 5 with your wife what does your discipleship of Cindy look like yeah I was telling Al that this has been honestly a, a more difficult area for me. Um, I can relate to the stories uh, that were given just in the comments Cal made and Eric 
I'd say, guys, well done. Your formal times of Bible study with your wife lasted two days, every couple weeks. Well, mine lasted about a day. And that was the first morning of the honeymoon. So uh, we're in the Grand Cayman Islands, first morning, I'm going to leave my wife. So I took out Psalm 119. I'm not kidding. And we're going to start reading. We're going to glory in the law of the Lord and the commands of the Lord. About 10 minutes into it, Sydney just looks just really quiet, strangely quiet. At the 20-minute mark, her hands are crossed, her arms are crossed, and it wasn't going well. And uh, obviously she did not appreciate my teaching gift at the moment. So, you know, I'm just drawing her out. Honey, is this not clear? Is any problem here? You know, I'm establishing a precedent here, a habit. I'm going to lead you. Well, she didn't quite appreciate it. And uh, there was a lot going on there. Uh, for Cindy's sake, there have been men in her life prior who had really used the Word of God as a hammer in her life. And it was just striking fear into her. Like, who had I married, you know? And in my immaturity, I was offended. I don't think we talked the rest of the day, <laughs> the first day of our honeymoon. And uh, let's just say I was a little gun-shy from there on out about leading my wife in a devotional. And really didn't do it for a while. We tried later on. I think some of our worst arguments were during times of Bible study. That or Sunday morning, go to church. One of the two, okay? Um, and it, it's been difficult. Um, but what I realized as well that washing your wife with the Word is not just about formalized Bible study. It can be that, but it's a lot more than that as well. And it's learning to experience biblical fellowship together. Um, sharing your spiritual life with your wife. What you were learning. Drawing her out. Bringing the word to bear in real life practical situations that you're dealing with in your life. And open up scripture. And build a help. And that we've done well. I don't think I've done well enough in that area. I think Cindy would agree with that. She wants more of that from me. And I'm trying to grow there. But when I've done it, I've seen the fruit. And I've seen her openness, receptivity to it. When we've just discussed situations with the children, or what we're dealing with in relationships, or with extended family, when I come with the word and prayer, how meaningful that is for her, and how we grow together into the Lord together through that. So I have learned that. Once again, not saying formalized Bible study is wrong. I think it's a good idea. We haven't been too successful in it, to be honest. But what I, I can say I think I've done well, even though I haven't done Bible study well with her, I pray for my wife consistently for her and with her. And that has been a pattern over our 16 years of marriage. Yeah, 16 years of marriage. Um, praying for her privately, having times of prayer with her as well. Um, we pray regularly together. We have a set-apart time once a week without the children where we just devote ourselves to prayer. What's on our hearts? We have a time where we're looking at the week and the month together. And invariably, when we look at our week, we can feel overwhelmed very quickly with our schedule. But the burdens are right there. We can feel them. It's a wonderful time just to go to the Lord in prayer for what we're feeling. And just doing it together to support one another. So we look forward to those evenings together of prayer. But a lot of our prayer is just on the go. It's in the car. It's just stopping in the kitchen. No, babe, let's just pray right now. You know? It's just as we go and live life. And we pray together. So I'm praying for my wife, my private devotions, and I'm praying with her. And that really has helped and drawn us closer together. So all the areas I have failed, perhaps that's one area that we have done and done well. 
But what I can say as well, even though we're not having formalized Bible study, and I'll get into this later, we do have family times together in the Word, and she's always a part of that. So as I'm discipling my children, she's right there too. In a sense, we're doing it together as a family. And that is consistent. So we're getting into the Word together as a family as well. Just that is formalized one-on-one for a variety of reasons. Yeah, I, I think I already ex- kind of expressed what I do with Des. I will say this, that uh, much of the, the stuff that we've shared is like Corey said. I love the way he said it. Biblical fellowship. I'm opening my life up to Des, and I'm sharing with her what the Lord is sharing with me. That, guys, believe it or not, for a woman, that can be some of the most intimate and beautiful times for them. They want you to be open, vulnerable, real, but, but, but what the Lord's doing in your life. And oftentimes, that can be some of the most real wonderful. Instead of preaching at them, I'm going to correct you with this scripture, honey. Don't you understand this word? You know, there are there's a time to bring some of that, but it's I'm going to open my life to you, what God's doing in me. And she's there's a confidence in her that you're not perfect, but you've got a relationship with God. God's speaking to you. You're reading the word. And those are precious times. Something I do as well is I'll just pray over my wife. I'm typically an early riser. I'll get up before. Sometimes I just pray for her. Just briefly, as she's still sleeping, I'm blessing her. Uh, we do this the brief prayers together. It doesn't have to be super long time, but we're praying together for many, many things. And uh, here's the one thing I would say. There are times when, listen, you can't get away from this in Ephesians 5. You're washing her with her word. The picture is Christ beautifying his bride from her blemishes. I believe the word blemish is there, I think. Uh, but the idea is there are things that need to be corrected. So you do have a role, man. And there is a time where you come with the word, and, and it may get a little sticky, a little dicey, because the area that you're coming to is maybe an area that's tender for her. She's, she needs to grow. And so all I can say is this, you know, our humility and love one another, right? Love is patient, love is kind, right? And we just go back to the original commandment, and then you kind of trace it through these scripture paths. What does love look like? So, uh, but there is a time to bring instruction, and by the way, for her to bring instruction to you, she's a helpmate. So this isn't just a one-way street. You know, how you receive correction is going to model for her how she can receive it. Okay. What Cal said is, if we want our wives to be reception to correction, we need to be as well. Yes, and with our children as well. So, men leading doesn't mean that it's always you're the one that's speaking from on high, and it's all the correct. You know, everything's coming from you. No, it's that you are listening to God. We're both under God. She's bringing stuff to you. You're being humble. You're receiving it. You're modeling it for her particularly in those sticky areas in your life. Question on that? If we uh, if we want to be respected, and Scripture says we are to be respected, there is a responsibility we have to live respectably. Tough one. Okay, last question for Corey Smidgen. And I'm excited about the answer to this question because I would say that this man is an outstanding example of discipling his children. I would say that definitely. So describe what you do to disciple your kids, Corey. Yeah, Al asked that. I started to write down a few things, and as I wrote it down, it, it, it kind of seemed like a lot. It doesn't necessarily feel like a lot, but it, it is. And But once again, it, it's routine. It's just having things built into the week that help me. Otherwise, I'm not going to do them. If I don't have routine for me, establishing habits... And also, things for the kids to look forward to, thereby built in accountability now, you know, for the very things I told them we're going to do in a given week. So, they reinforced some of these routines. That helped. 
Uh, without those, I wouldn't be able to do these things. But these things have worked for us as a family. Um, we do have what you call family worship time, family devotional time on the evenings that I am at home. Now I am out a fair amount in the evenings, but for the evenings I am home, that we're having time together as family. What does that mean? It's not long. It's not complicated. It's probably 20, 25 minute max. But what we're doing, what I've chosen to go through this year is long story short, as mentioned, just because two of our children are still in children's ministry and they're going through these very lessons so it reinforces what they're learning on a Sunday. It's a very quick, uh, we read a chapter, whatever, wherever they're in in the Bible. I have every child read a portion of the scripture. I'll have one or two questions for them that come from the book. They're already there. We'll interact very briefly. Then we'll pray together. At the end, we conclude with one worship song. And we rotate which child chooses the song. Younger kids choose the songs, the hand motions. Other ch older children choose some other songs, but they get to choose. So it's simple, but it's just consistency. We're in the ward together as a family daily, or at least almost daily, on those evenings we're home. And that has really helped us as a family, get us into the word um, together as one. And the kids really have enjoyed that time. It doesn't mean they always have great attitudes, sometimes they have poor attitudes, but more often than not, they can look forward to this time together with dad and mom. They can look forward to it. And I have seen that as well. Um, also want to encourage them to have learn to cultivate their own private discipline as well of reading the word. So they see me do it. When they get up, I'm usually concluding my time. They see me there on the couch or on the patio reading the word. So they now are establishing those habits as well. So they'll get up. They all have their ESV Bible. And they're also learning to have times in the morning reading the Word. So I've had the kids, they're on their own Bible plan as well to read through the entire Bible. Um, my youngest is, he's eight, so he started last year, he's looking at the pictures. But he had his Bible in front of him in the morning, he's looking at the pictures. Now he's reading the stories that are attached to the pictures and going through. Where the older kids are actually working through a Bible plan. Not long, but they're working through it as well as I am. Um, I've also asked my children, my older two, who are now 12 and 14, to have a simple journal. And what I'm asking them to do is, as they go through the Bible plan, if they have any question, write it down. Or anything that stood out to them. Just, I'm trying to emphasize how the Lord speaks through His Word. So if that was helpful, write it down. Journal it. It doesn't have to be long, maybe a couple sentences. And then what I'll do is, once a week, I'll meet with that child individually, and I'll read through their journal for those last seven days. I'll look for questions they have or insights they had, and we'll stop and talk about maybe one entry for one of those days of that week. Once again, not long. It takes about 15 minutes. And then I'll pray over them at the end. And then I'll have them pray as well for another person so I can just hear how they're praying, how they're processing as well. So do that with each child that's going through the journal once a week just to reinforce and encourage them in their private Bible reading as well. Um, so those are a couple of things. Not only do I want them to go through the Bible, the breadth, I also want to give them a little systematic theology as well. So I've chosen different books. Right now we're using, for the older kids, Big Truths for Young Hearts by Bruce Ware. And it's a, it's a, great, it's a great book just to introduce them to different doctrines of the faith. And I'll go through that on Saturday nights. And we'll read just one chapter at a time and ask a couple questions. And they look forward to that time as well. So they're getting 
family time in the Word. They're getting Bible reading time, covering the whole Bible. They also give me a little bit of systematic theology every week. Once again, sounds like a lot. It's not. It's 15 minutes a week, but it's consistent every week. We're managing covering a lot of ground over a number of months. Um, so that's some of the more formalized things. Maybe just one other thing I could mention as well. Um, just redeeming the time. Al mentioned dinner time. Um, that's been a great time for us. Um, what I want to do as a father is I, I want to bring God into all they do, into the picture, into their lives. I want just I want to bring God into the conversation. So one little thing we do every evening, it's a routine for us once again, that works for us, is I'll ask the kid, each child, please give me one highlight for this for today. Or if you can't identify a highlight, one thing that you can thank God for. So every day we're on the table. One highlight, one thing you thank God for. I want to draw their attention to how God is working in their life. Things they'd be thankful for. And now they're always begging me. They're the first to share, you know, because they know I'm going to ask the question at dinner time. Um, I've chosen another night of the week to cover current affairs. We have a, there's a magazine called World Magazine. Well, they have one for junior high and high schoolers called Top Story. We subscribe to that. And they love that. So I asked them to present one current event. And they, they lead the discussion that evening at the dinner table. And we all pitch in and try to give them a biblical worldview. So they'll introduce a topic that's written up in the magazine, but what's happening in the world, and then we'll talk about it. We try to bring the Bible in, the worldview. But the younger kids don't understand all that's going on. But even them, they're, they're grasping more than you think as well. So just some of the things that we do. We do some other things as well at the dinner table. But just, once again, utilizing the time we have to eat together, bringing God into the world. He's already there. Just making sure, helping them recognize God's activity, gracious activity in their lives through such things as conversation and dinner time. So. Questions? How does not provoking your children to anger look like? No. Like, uh, trying to do the devotions and asking your child to do something and then they respond and then you get offended and... How does not provoking your child to anger, which is clearly a principle, can't argue on that one, in uh, Ephesians 6, 1, or 6, whatever it is, 3 or 4. Well, well, Fabian, I think classically it means that we love them, which is love is patient and kind. Uh, I, viol- I violated that often, sadly. So I could say, what it, obviously, what it looks like is love them and be kind to them and patient with them. And then when, when I didn't, it would be ask them to forgive me and let's let's start all over again, you know, and and let's try to work with them. So I think um, instruction, and uh, I think we try to implement. We would never discipline a child when it was an issue of of instruction. Did they really understand? Uh, and we always gave them the benefit of the doubt because you know what? If they are just rebelling, trust me, it'll come out. You know, they can't hide that one. So. The discipline will come as far as corporal discipline in due time, but if I just default to you're irritating me, kid, because you're not doing what I want you to do, or just being a little loud or foolish or whatever, um, just trying to be patient and instruct with a calm voice. My son will tell you that I often fail to do that. And so there was a lot of, please forgive me, son, please forgive me, daughters. It's a serious command. Yeah. Yeah. 
And often we forget that command. We're, we're emphasizing the command, honor your parents, honor your father and mother. You know, 6, 1, and 2, whatever that is. But boy, right there, his fathers don't provoke him. But, so, you know, and I think one thing for me is sometimes when the when, when I would get really mad and just really sin. Now, I, I, I did not, uh, there was no striking, but just with my words, there would be striking. I would then go to the other extreme where I would just get so, like, condemned that I just get out of the picture. I'd stop leading. And I remember Des would pull me aside and said, Honey, they need you to be their dad. Yeah, you blew it. Now, let's get back in there. She used to do this privately. Certainly ask for forgiveness, but get back in the game. Because, you know, we can have that guilt. I was so harsh. What I said was so cruel, you know, because they weren't seeing what I think they need to see from the Lord. And I tried to play Holy Spirit in their life and just judge them. But then you got we got to get back up off the floor trust in the gospel that I'm forgiven in Christ ask for forgiveness and then let's start again let's let's appeal to God's mercy and grace um, so, great question David I just want to say the uh, smidgens are kind of famous in my family okay because um, times that, that we've heard either comments at home group or uh, when the kids are over the house and, and you know we're talking about the scriptures that uh, there's such a consistent, clear uh, application of the gospel from any part of the Bible, from any verse, from any story straight to, well we can't do it but Jesus did it for us mm. and Jesus paid for our sins and if we mm. trusted him he'll give us power to do it and and I've mm. never been able to have like such a consistent mm. repeated line but I'm sure Corey mm. has some sort of a uh, things that he says over and over again because mm. his family goes straight to the gospel from mm. Any conversation. It's mm, mm. great, David. Thank you for that commending. I agree. That's probably the way we provoke our kids the most. Not giving them the grace of the gospel. You know, if we fail to leave the gospel out, we're going to provoke them because they can't. They can't measure up. There's no way they can. So, I, without pulling out the gospel, we are provoking them towards anger. Yes. We're setting them up. Yeah, aren't we? You know, to to be good apart yeah, from Christ. Apart from Christ, yeah. Ooh, that's um, what you call legalism, and that's what you call children of pastors or even church members that have been in church all their life becoming embittered and seeing a bunch of hypocrisy and saying no, thank you. Now, obviously, God overcomes all that because if He calls your son or daughter, they're called. It's an irresistible grace. He will. He will. He does save them. And if He doesn't call them, they're not called. There's nothing you can do to change that. But. And it's a big but. Uh, what they see in us can be a real hindrance and hurdle. Or it can be a real, you know, encouraging. So, yeah, humility and, and the gospel, huge. So one other thing too, Alex, part of building them into Christ, building them into his church yeah. as well. And that's another part of discipling our children as well. That there's this corporate discipleship taking place as well. It's not just me. Yes, I have a responsibility as a father, but I want to build them into the church as well. So men, as we serve in the church, as your children grow older, looking for opportunities for them to serve or to serve alongside you. I know a number of you have done that. Those who have been on the setup team, bringing your son along. Yeah. And just doing with joy. They learn yep. to serve the church with joy as well, and it's wonderful to be at a stage now to see like children serving in meaningful ways in the church. They see it as a privilege to come early and to help. And they're asking that they want to. 
and put them into the church. Said, this is an exciting place to be. This is the Lord's body, His family, spiritual family. Yep. So build an anticipation for that and serve and join and have them join you as well. Yep. As part of discipleship, I think, as well. Excellent. All right, guys, I want to conclude with a word of prayer for you. As you can see in your notes, application. Begin with prayer, the prayer of faith that God is the one who's called us to this leadership in our home, and God will equip us to fulfill His call on our lives. So let's just pray and uh, trust God as we depart. He's, he's, he's with us, men. Remember Jesus said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What a comfort. Uh, Father, we, we come to you in the name of Jesus, your Son, as men who, to varying degrees, can often be tempted to be more aware of our deficiencies and where we failed than in the grace and the mercy uh, that you've given us. Lord, would you change us in that? May we be more aware of the grace. May we be more aware. May our children say, my father, my father is more aware of the grace of God in our family than our deficiencies. Lord, may, may we um, look to commend. May, 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 the, may the ratio be t- between commending our children and correcting our children be in favor of commending. And I realize there are seasons, Father, where we do need to do a lot of correcting. But, oh, Lord, may our hearts be soft and kind and patient and merciful toward our children, even as you were kind and patient and merciful toward us. May the gospel uh, create in us hearts that truly are just more aware that we have not received what we deserve. You put that on Christ, which was judgment and wrath. But rather, we've received what we don't deserve, which is your mercy and favor and kindness. May that be the flavor, the scent of our homes. Oh, God. Oh, God. We, need, we, we just need help. We need help. So help us. Help the men in this room. Help the men that are listening to this that weren't able to be here tonight. Lord, Lord, bring together fathers and sons, fathers and daughters, husbands and wives, Build your church. Build your church, I pray. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, who said, I've come to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.